0: Hey there, welcome to the Tavern. This is Josh, the Game Master for this cadre of misfits, if you will. And tonight's content is kind of an in-between as we finish wrapping up our bonus content between seasons one and two of the Wing Badger Tavern. So tonight we start off with a little bit of in-character adventure as we explore Jebediah Peppermint, attuning to the Rod of Seven Parts. And then we end with a little bit of tavern talk just to kind of hang out, talk about the dungeon delve that Wash Burnello just ran for us, Uh, which by the way, if you wanna check that out, it's on his YouTube channel. Uh, If you go on YouTube and you search for Wash Burnello, you can see all of the incredible adventure that he ran. It was a four four episode D&D session that included some of our most engaged viewers. So special thanks to Belly Savalas and 1d10 Force Damage for jumping in and being part of that adventure. Uh, But anyway, that's enough talking for me. Here's the actual episode of the podcast you came here to see. Dang, this was 55 seconds long. That's a lot of intro. Uh, We are picking up at this moment, mere moments after the finale from the last season. So if you remember, there was a big battle. There was a dramatic escape. Jeb summoned a cypher truck with its cool, like automated return to driver function, came and picked him up. But now, Jeb, you sit on a meager cot, finally resting, hidden away, safely, in the experimental testing grounds owned by Edison... And this particular room loaned to you by Elaine Mollusk. There have been debriefs and meetings and Fox is still locked in a room explaining himself to Willow, his merfolk friend. It doesn't sound like that's going all so well with the occasional raised voice and echoing yell kind of fighting its way down the the echoey cavern halls from their sort of se- separated room room. Uh, but you at least have been patched up. I mean, some of your scrapes and bruises are going to, you know, they still smart. It's going to take a few weeks at least for you to kind of be back to like full, you know, fit to adventure, but, but you're patched up. You're in good company. You're, you're healed. You're not like actively bleeding out or anything like that. And it's, you know, you finally have a chance after all the meetings, all the the long day that it's been to get some rest and yet tired as you are that, that one shin-long segment of frosted iron still taunts you from where it leans against your nightstand. It's chill to the touch. I mean, it's not harmful like it was to Zothkug, but it's smooth and it's nearly featureless, and it's it's chill. You know, it, you know, when you touch it, little goosebumps erupt on your little mole claw. It's featureless, save for two small notches at the top and bottom, almost as if it's meant to connect to something else that you don't have. And as you hold it, you feel again that sense that locked within this one shin bar are secrets beyond number, just waiting for you to delve in and claim them. You close your eyes, and you hear a swirling of voices, a varied pitch, timbre, and gender all ask as one, will you seize the, the secrets, secrets within? And I hear
1: that in my head? You do. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely not talking myself out of it at this point. It seems... Uh... I don't remember those voices though. Well, old Jib, we're gonna do what we always do. We're either gonna get us ourselves into trouble and out of it immediately, or it's just gonna be great and not trouble in the first place. So yeah, I'm gonna dive into this thing.
0: You open your eyes, all you did was blink, and yet you are not in the cave room where you were just sitting moments ago. In fact, you're nowhere you look you look around and it's it's just blankness it's not really white or any other color it's just it's just blank and as you look into the void it almost constructs itself you know you imagine well maybe i'm on the beach and below you you know ground begins to form and you begin to see the water's edge and hear it but as soon as you let go of the thought of the beach again it vanishes and you're back in the nothing After a few moments of standing here sort of exploring your ability to almost lucid dream in this reality, you hear again those whispering voices. And they're all saying different things now. It's just a cacophony of what you think might be advice, but all conflicting and and spoken over itself to where you can't really get any actual... It's just white noise to you to go along with the void in which you stand. And then in one flash almost... The white noise fades away, and in front of you, out of the nothingness, materializes a staircase. You kind of take a step back as the staircase forms, and you see that it stretches out to either side of you, wide steps, maybe 400, 500 shins in total. You stand at the center of it, but as they go up, they get narrower and narrower. In fact, you're standing at the foot of a stepped pyramid, and... At the top of this stepped pyramid, significantly above you, but not unreachably so, there is a door inset. It's about, I don't know, five or six steps from the top of the pyramid. There's a door inset, and on that door is the rod that you were recently holding. It now serves as the push bar of the door to get into this pyramid.
1: Interesting. I'm going to pat myself down. Do I have my blunderbuss? Do I have my bandolier, or do I feel like this is like a mental
0: projection? Am I like on my Jeb right now? You have nothing with you. You are just Jeb. Okay. You Man, do, however, right. have the friendly aid of your shoulder angels, of uh, course. If if necessary, whom you may consult.
2: I think it's a pull door. I think it's a push door.
1: We're off to a good start, guys. We're <laughs> off to a good start. Um, how how bright is it here?
0: It is exactly acceptably bright. It is neither overwhelming nor dim. Okay. and it is fully ambient like there's no sun or stars or anything it's just a an everywhere light there are shadows but they are very faint and they are perfect circles around your feet there's no direction of light
3: mm.
1: um after after having noticed like the there's a beach beneath me and then you know kind of like manifesting some stuff i'm going to try and manifest my clothes to change
0: what do you want to change them to
1: i want jeb's jacket to turn like super bright red with, uh, with like icy buildup on the bottom, on the fringe. And his hat is going to be like the same. It's going to be bright red with, with like the band that is, uh, that has like these ice and crystals and stuff around it.
0: Very cool. And as you begin to manifest your, your attire, you also realize that you have your things. Your inventory has appeared as you have began to think about your possessions and where they are. They have appeared again on your person. You do successfully change your appearance um, of your clothes. So you now look quite striking in the sort I'm of I'm going to flip list. up
1: the now, the now very high collar of my <laughs> jacket. Um, and I'll be like, all right, shoulder angels.
0: Let's do this.
2: Zothkug would love this outfit.
1: Can I manifest the soldier angel, or the shoulder angels? <laughs>
0: yes, you so manifest a actually... very tiny Zothkug and a very tiny <laughs> Owlin. They sit with their feet dangling over the brim of your hat.
1: Yep, and they, they both have little uh, little wings, and Jeb's going to model Owlin's wings after the ones that he saw him uh, manifest his, his, uh...
2: during his rage. Yep. Let's go. <clears throat>
0: I love
1: this. All right, guys and i'm going to reach out and like just lay a hand on the steps of this pyramid just to kind of get a sense of it
0: they feel like they stone feel solid. steps yeah like you know they they're solid they exist um they they feel like kind of smooth stone steps you know like like um intentional stone bricks have been used to make this is what i'm trying to say
1: all right guys that was our, our one move of caution we're just going forward now and he's just going to like start hiking up them up the steps
0: 10 steps go by 50 100 200 until finally you make it to the door it took longer than it looked like it should take but you're there now before you the the segment of rod this one shin long bar of frosted iron serves as the push or pull bar depending on which shoulder angel you ask of the door leading into this pyramid do you push or pull (laughs) <laughs> Is it vertical or horizontal? It's a vertical. Then I pull. You pull and the door pulls open towards you. You can't see anything on the other side as the door opens. You step through and you find yourself in sort of a, another vague kind of featureless expanse. You know, the same deal where like you think about things, they materialize and vanish as soon as you let go of them. It takes a little while for what's actually here to form. And then what you see in front of you is, it looks like a really long staircase. And then as you step back from the staircase, it stretches to either side of you, about 400, 500 shins in length, but it gets narrower as it goes higher and higher. And it dawns on you, you're actually standing at the base of a stepped pyramid right now. And I don't know, two to five rungs from the top of it, two to five steps down, there is a door inset into the pyramid itself. With the uh, bar of frosted iron vertically on it as a push or pull bar, available there at the top of the pyramid. Do I f- get a sense that I
1: have just looped through this thing?
0: Uh, well, it certainly looks exactly the same as it did last time. I mean, you still have your possessions and your outfit are the same; they have not changed. But the sure. position in the pyramid looks exactly identical, and all that. Yeah.
2: Perhaps you must um, pull the push. Push this time.
1: That's worth a shot. Um, I'm going to turn around behind me. Is, that, is the door still open behind me?
0: You turn around behind you. The door is not open behind you, but what you do see is a stepped pyramid reaching away from you uh, up into the distance, about 500 shins to either side at the base. And at the top of it, there is a door with a vertical push bar made of frosted iron, but it's on the other side of the door, on the left edge of the door instead of the right edge of the door. In fact... As you think to yourself, this looks like a reflection, the water of the reflection behind you begins to gravitationally correct and rain down upon you. Drip, 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 as the old reflection dissolves. Peculiar. The stairs are becoming slipperier by the moment.
2: We don't want to slip. No, um,
1: I'm gonna go up the one behind
0: me. Okay, you go up the one behind you, and you, uh, you're you able to get to the top of it, but as you're climbing this this pyramid, this giant staircase, as the drops of water land on you, your different possessions begin to vanish. Like, as the water hits it, it's almost like it's washed away from from where you are. It, it, it begins to disappear. Um, and you can see, as the rain hits the stairs, it illuminates runes. And they appear to be in a different language on each step of the pyramid but they do seem to all be, they're about the same length, so they probably all say the same thing. And when you finally get to one that's in a language that you speak, all it says is, trust what you know, um, is is written on the, the stair. And do you continue climbing?
1: Trust what you know.
2: Maybe you should write down everything you know right now.
1: I mean, I already know what I know.
2: doesn't seem.
1: And I, I don't think that would be a um, a token of trust to write down something if I already know it. Um
2: what do you know?
1: I know that I am I'm not in my body, or at least I'm in my mind, or potentially I am in this rod.
2: Can you imagine an escape from this pyramid or this illusion?
1: I'm going to try to imagine the rain stopping.
0: The rain legitimately freezes in midair the droplets slow and finally halt as they're falling.
2: So, you have control.
0: I have control,
1: but it's of something that is not mine. Or is it? Hmm. Um, I'm going to try and envision the door just being in front of me where I am on the staircase.
0: You open your eyes, and in front of you is the door.
1: I'm going to grasp the door handle. A.K.A. the rod, and and I'm going to try and rest it from the door.
0: Make a strength check.
1: That's a natural twenty, big dog, with a with a, a zero modifier. Nice uh, is twenty total.
2: Solid.
0: Yeah, you grab it and you look at the rod and you yank it sideways and shear it off the door, and it snaps clean, so that you have this like there's nothing broken or jagged about it. It comes off exactly as it should. And as soon as you do that, all of the water around you in one big move cascades to the ground and, you know, spreads around the pyramid. And now there's just the reflection as it should be stretching out in every direction from the pyramid in this ambient light. There's a perfect reflection to each side, creating sort of a diamond shape or almost like flower petals coming out from the base of the pyramid. The door is gone from in front of you back at the top of the pyramid where it should be. But now in your hand, you have the the chunk of the rod again. I'm going to sniff it. It smells normal. I, I, it, it, it doesn't it. really smell like anything. Okay. Sniff check's never a bad idea.
2: You should like it. In a dream, I'm not sure how many senses need to be checked. Necessarily.
1: I'm going to listen to it.
2: They all could deceive you. What does it taste like?
0: <laughs> Roll perception.
1: Uh, that is a seven.
0: Uh, you don't hear anything coming out of the rod yet.
1: Ooh, okay. Did, did Jeb hear the reading? Yeah, he heard the reading of the prophecy, um, of the of the last game, right? Because uh, yeah. we got those documents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeb is going to kind of start putting two and two together that, that this that this piece of the rod rings true of intelligence. Um, and while he he did brute force it off of this this door, he feels like that's. That's not the way to, to understand, or to, to claim. To claim uh, use of this of an artifact like this. Um, he's gonna hold it out in front of him. And say, "I would like to wield you,"
0: at the very top of the rod where the notch is that would connect it to another segment, a very small, semi-translucent, incorporeal figure begins to pull itself out of the top of the rod. It's a small mole folk. And as it stands up, you realize it's grandpa Cole who Jeb has often regarded as one of the most wise and intelligent people. He knows stands atop the rod and he looks at you and he says, boy, pup, You're in for it now. You thought I loved my puzzles. Well, you better put your thinking hat on. (laughs) But if you want to claim this rod, you're going to have to go through a little test, a little puzzle, or maybe even two. But I promise, no lies, you just walk to the top of the stairs to get started. That's your first test. Can you walk to the top of these stairs? Go through the door that waits for you up there. Remember, intelligence is the key. And then he poof vanishes. Intelligence is the
1: key. I never never took much intelligence to do any walking in my past before.
2: Mm. One may be surprised how much brain power is needed to put one foot in front of the other. That sounded way deeper when I thought it. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: okay. Well. This this doesn't. I'm not trying to like game the system here, but I'm going to try to walk forward thoughtfully, and and by that I mean, uh, as as Jeb walks forward, he's going to, he's going to to watch his feet. He's going to think about where he steps, Um, and instead of just looking at the door and and rushing up, um, like he did last time, he's going to like consider the consider the path. And the steps that he's taking.
0: Roll uh, investigation with advantage.
1: Ooh, thank goodness for that advantage. That is a uh, twenty-two.
0: Yeah. You you realize that like you know how bricks get laid, and so the grooves behind them are kind of staggered mm-hmm. from layer to layer. You realize that there is one line of grout in white running through the bricks, and the rest of it is gray, and so. As you, you, you kind of get the, the vibe that maybe this is a path that you could follow.
3: Hmm.
1: OK. I mean, we're, we're taking our time, and we're thinking our way through this, so that's as good of an idea as any. Um, I'm going to try and step on the white grout, Al- almost like uh, like you know when you're walking down a sidewalk and you, you kind of like
0: walk along the lines. You step on the white grout, and nothing happens.
1: Well, but I mean I'm going to follow it. Oh, okay. But, uh, you follow... By stepping on the, on the white grout.
0: Great. You follow it the whole way up to the top of the pyramid, where the door is. You push open the door, and beyond you is something new. Mm. Seven prismatic walls stretch ahead of you in a hallway that seems impossibly long for the fact that you're at the top of a pyramid. Like, geometry itself states that you shouldn't be able to go forward that far when, you know, you're at the very top of it. And yet, this hallway extends forwards uh, away from you. It's just like a straight line forwards. And as you step into the hallway, behind you, the door swings shut with a and it rings through the room. To the right of you, there is a small plinth. A platform where maybe a gargoyle might sit, except there is no gargoyle there.
1: To the right of me. Mm-hmm. But this wall continues on straight.
0: So it's a tunnel that goes ahead of you, and then your way is impeded by these prismatic walls. So, like, there's a full wall of Go red, ahead, a man. full wall of orange, and so on and so forth.
1: And those are all directly in front of me, like, in, in barriers and layers. Oh, okay. Right. Um. Can I examine the plinth?
0: You examine the plinth and you see a small notch on the top of it.
1: Um, is this like a like a hole, like a depression? Is it a cut of like the length of it? Or... It's like
0: a depression into the depression. top of the plinth. What shape is it? Base of the rod shaped.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to to lay the rod in it.
0: You lay the rod down. Who is someone else that Jeb regards as very intelligent? Um, I think at this point, probably onions.
3: Mm.
1: Um, you know, he doesn't have a, I know it's more wisdom than intelligence, but, but Jeb values the intelligence that comes from a life lived, um, you know, in, in perception of, of those around you.
0: You set the rod down, and it gives a satisfying click as it slots into the depression on the plinth. And then another semi-translucent figure pulls itself out of the top of the rod. And standing there, looking back at you, is Onions, your cousin, Avery. And he says, Ah, hey, cheese, you know... I really would love to just let you on through here you know hospitality is kind of my thing but uh this this one's actually not about being nice it's it's about you know testing you a little bit and so we got we got a little riddle for you you know because if you look behind you and you see that behind you a table has risen out of the, the floor so this would be on your left the left side of the room a table has risen out of the floor and it's got some vials on it you see a bunch of different potions there of all different colors. And then if you look to to my left, your right, you'll see a bunch of walls of different colors that you need to walk through to get to the next side. Now, be careful here because, you know, if you, if you step into a wall wrong, I mean, that's, that's a failure and you're going to find yourself back at the beginning here. And failures, they take a long time, you know, to wear off in this place. You know, every time you, well, you'll find out. So let me give you the riddle, okay? You listening? You ready?
1: Jeb manifests his ears a little bigger.
0: <laughs> seven walls of seven colors, seven potions to pass through. No color corresponds to itself. Red and greens clash. The orange potion goes to a neighbor color. One yellow goes to one green. Since indigo's not a real color, Violet decided to swap with it. Blue and orange chose to complement. So drink the potion that goes to each wall, in order, and walk through. Okay. And then he vanishes.
2: It seems as though this must be some mostly the process of elimination, as you deduce each color from easiest to most difficult. The next should be a bit easier to define, until I assume at the end of by the end of the riddle there may be only one color left to match with the potion that what what is the order of the colors on the wall
0: Yeah so the walls in front of you the actual walls you need to go through are the same as the colors of the rainbow red orange yellow green blue indigo violet and then you have a potion of each of those colors as well so like you would need to drink the potion that corresponds to red first and then you would drink the potion that corresponds to the orange wall and so on and so forth to walk through it
1: so he said Red and green conflict, right?
0: He said, No color corresponds to itself. Red and greens clash. The orange potion goes to a neighbor color. One yellow goes to one green. Since indigo isn't a real color, violet decided to swap with it. Blue and orange chose to complement.
1: One yellow goes to one green. And then uh, indigo and violet swapped with each other. And blue chose to what?
0: Blue and orange chose to complement. Okay. Hmm.
1: Well you lucky podcasters, podcast listeners are going to going to get to hear the the lovely telltale brain noises of thinking through and figuring out a puzzle. I was I was thinking I might you
0: know maybe consider verbally processing your thoughts yeah to to bring so, them into the mind of Jeb here you can yeah, tell me go. when it's an attempt and that way like you don't have to worry about accident oh I didn't mean that you just just yeah no 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 That's good think That's out loud good. and just let me know when you're ready
1: so we're we're tackling old, tackling old Roy G Biv here um let's see red and green clash so does that mean clashing is normally a bad thing. So I think that means that you don't use them for each other.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, So that means we don't know what red is or green is yet. But we do know that red and green don't use red or green. Um, Orange? It says orange works with his neighbor, which is either red or yellow.
2: It also uh, complements
1: it complements blue, but blue is not a neighbor to red and orange. I mean, sorry, it, it, it's not a neighbor to orange. Okay. Yell- what was the thing between yellow and green?
0: Uh, green one yellow goes to one green.
1: One yellow goes to one green, but there aren't two yellows.
2: Are there more than one wall.
0: Well, there's a yellow potion and a yellow wall, and there's a green potion and a green wall.
1: Uh, okay. Okay. So either the yellow potion... No, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> so a yellow potion goes to a green wall or a yellow wall goes to a green potion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then Indigo and Violet traded places with each other. Was that What was the specific words on that?
0: Since Indigo isn't a real color, Violet decided to swap with it.
1: Violet swapped with Indigo. Wow. This is a real brain buster here. So, I think the like well, so the first wall is red. All right, you got this, little Zoth. First wall is red, and our options are an orange potion for it, because orange goes with one of its neighbors, and and that would be red would be one of those neighbors. What would one of the other options for red be? Yellow or
2: blue. Can't be
1: green because green clashes with it.
2: Orange, yellow, or blue goes to red.
1: How would blue go to red?
2: There's nothing that says blue can't go to red.
1: Oh, that's fair.
0: If I might offer a, a tip for just as far as collecting your thoughts on this. Sure. Um, Puzzles like this work a lot easier if you make a little matrix in front of you. Like a yeah. tic-tac-toe board almost where you have biv on both sides. And then you can do X's where you know the colors don't go. Almost like filling in a crossword type deal. Yep. And that sometimes makes it. Easier to process through these kinds of puzzles. Visually. That
1: is actually a good idea. I'm I, glad I came up with it. I
2: typed up a, <laughs> I typed up a visual to myself. Pretend that the Allen shoulder Angel, said that instead of getting a phone call. Yeah. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Thanks, little yep. allen Alright. This reminds me of my uh of my school days <laughs> collecting uh collecting Vegimon and learning mm-hmm. about their type weaknesses and type advantages.
2: Classic.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I mean, of course, you'd know. You're not the real Alan. You're 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 from from my head.
2: Well, yes, uh, in in your head, I also am an avid veggie mom collector. As as you
1: should be, mm-hmm. as you should be. Okay, so the red wall cannot be green, and the green wall, okay, that can't be red. All right, I'm figuring this I'm figuring this out. I manifest like a little slate, and I just use my finger to like start crossing through these these different ones as we're going through it. All right, um. Orange, let's see, so red, All right. so with with orange, it can only be red or yellow, so that means it's not orange, oh yeah, there we go, we can cross out all the ones in the middle, because they don't ever correlate to their own, so that gives us a nice diagonal down the middle, I wish I had uh, a little camera thing here. I was just
0: thinking it'd be cool to stream this so that people could puzzle it along with you, but it's not, this is bonus content.
1: Yep yep
0: we we kick back off with season two next week chat. next monday <laughs> so
1: um all right so orange can only be red or yellow so I'm going to cross off da, 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 green blue indigo violets green blue indigo oops that's not that one and blue, indigo, violet. Alright, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. So if we do uh, dang, this is tough, y'all.
0: I believe in you. You can also like you can always try a couple like take the guess and try it. It just, you know, will set you back. If you get it wrong, it just costs you time.
1: Mm. I still don't understand the indigo and violet swapping I with each other or like
2: means the- that one of them goes to
1: the other. The violet potion goes to the indigo wall and the indigo potion goes to the violet wall. Well, it says indigo is not a real color, so violet swapped with, with one of them. Or no, swapped with indigo. And blue complements orange.
2: It says, Hey, orange, you look nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright. I think I'm going to take a stab at the red wall. I'm going to drink the orange potion.
0: You drink the orange potion. It tastes citrusy. Goes down smooth. Mm.
1: And I'm going to reach out and touch the orange wall.
2: Or the red wall. Sorry, yeah, the red wall.
0: Your hand slides through the red wall as though it wasn't even there. Soon after, you take a step and your whole body goes through. The table, poof, vanishes from behind you and poof, reappears now in between this wall and the orange one.
1: Okay. Okay. All right, we did good, guys. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't certain on that. It was a 50-50 chance. And uh, we, as things do, for some strange reason, kind of worked out.
2: Make sure you notate that that one works for sure.
1: Yep, that one That one has been notated on the stone slab here. That is getting a little heavy. I should have made this out of wood. And <laughs> I manifest it to, like, turn and change material into wood. And dirt could get used of this sort of stuff. All right, Orange orange wall
2: could be anyone except orange
1: um it can't be green why not it can't be well because orange affects its neighbor
2: mm. it just says uh orange potion goes to a neighbor color doesn't say anything about the but, orange wall
1: but it didn't say potion it, it said t- orange goes with its neighbor,
2: goes to a neighbor color.
1: oh i missed that thank you shoulder angel the orange potion goes to this neighbor I knew that that's uh that's what I meant
0: you have me pulling back up the message I sent to you in a panic like no <laughs> <It's screwed up. laughs>
1: okay well let that
2: me undo case, that, that. that that I mean well that just confirms what we already know
1: so okay so for for a fact we know that we can't use the orange potion on this and that's all we know
2: yes Essentially.
1: um we do know that the blue complements orange
2: this is true. But I believe in that. That would be the next logical to try.
1: Uh, we know that yellow, one yellow works with one green. Yep. But another yellow could work with this orange. So that's still a possibility. We still don't know anything on indigo and violet yet.
2: Other than violet swap with indigo. Right. Which I presume means that one works for the other and the other works for the other.
0: Uh, I'm going to drink the blue one. You drink the blue potion. It tastes kind of like like zazzy like it's a little it's a little sparkling. Mm. Yeah.
1: I savor it and I like, you know, shake out the last drop.
0: Very refreshing, yeah. crisp.
1: I'm gonna reach out and and touch the orange wall and your hand, hand phases through. Hey. Yeah. All right, Tiny Owlin, you're doing great. Thank you. I'm now realizing that that's a mildly self-serving compliment seeing as though you're a manifestation of my mind, but compliments <laughs> nonetheless.
0: Owlin as I picture you is pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs>
2: In a way, it is a compliment, because you do picture me as smart and giving you intelligent advice.
0: Ah,
1: that's wonderful wisdom I just gave myself. Thank you for <laughs>
2: that. It's mostly just self-assurance.
1: <laughs> um, okay, we're in front of the yellow door. One yellow goes with one green. Our options... But we don't have any leads. Sorry?
2: Our options so far are red, green, and
1: blue. Um, we do not have... Blue is not an option, because we just drank the blue.
2: Oh, you're right. I forgot to mark that. We drank the orange and the blue Once again make sure to notate that that worked
1: Yep um, Tiny so we have... code manifests a tiny slate So he can yes. continue
0: <laughs> keeping track
1: So we could pick Red is an option Yellow is not an option
2: Red or blue So, so Sorry blue we just drank no. blue So it seems as though red is the only option Yeah.
1: Well green is also an option
2: I marked off the wrong one
1: um, And indigo and violet are an option
2: I do as I keep repeating myself. You yeah, that's that right. That's right. Each
1: other. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so we're looking at red or green. Red and green conflict. That means they definitely don't go with each other. Which means that, and then one yellow goes to one green, which, which means that we, we would have now? we would have a lower chance, or like a higher. Well, we don't know anything about red. Or green, we do know a little bit about yellow.
2: Is this no, be, no. a green wall or a yellow wall? No, no,
1: sorry, this is a yellow yellow wall. I don't know why I'm doing yeah. that one. So or, red uh, or green? Yeah, I red would, or green.
2: I believe green is the best try.
1: You know they say geniuses pick green. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna pick the green. I'm gonna drink the green potion.
0: You drink the green potion. It tastes faintly of apple.
1: Oh, I was thinking I was thinking mint, but I like that.
0: There could be some mint swirled in there. Apple and mint complement each other well. It's like a like a refreshing hibiscus juice. <laughs> oh,
1: there we go. I'm going to touch my hand against the yellow wall.
0: You reach out your hand and you touch the Uh-oh. yellow wall,
1: and Here a jolt
0: of energy races up your arm towards your shoulder. You blink in surprise, and when you open your eyes, you are behind the red wall. and next to you okay. are all seven potions again. None have been drunk.
1: Okay. To be kind honest, str- I
2: did not expect I, the potion to be that little, or the uh, the punishment. I thought maybe we would have to do something stupid to get back here.
1: Mm. Well, that was just the all first the punishments aren't first in here,
0: little dude. Says onions yeah. from, from the scepter.
2: Well, well, that knowing that, assuming that indigo and violet are simply just swapped, we can uh, have we have the correct order
1: now. Oh, really? Man, I can't believe I worked it out that quickly.
2: Yes, that that's why he keeps a slate. Okay, yeah.
1: so I'm going to drink the orange potion for the red wall again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drink the blue potion for the orange wall. Okay. And then I believe red we want to go red for this one, right?
3: Yep.
1: All right, now I'm going to drink the red potion for this wall. Okay. What's it taste like?
0: Strawberry, and it's chilled. It's like a cool strawberry oh. drink.
1: Nice. And I'm going to touch the yellow wall. You phase through it. All right. All right. We're up on the green wall. Shoulder Angel what we got. Yellow?
2: Yep. Because one yellow to one green.
1: I'm going to drink the yellow
0: potion. You drink the yellow potion. It's lemonade. Just straight up lemonade. Nice. Yeah. Refreshing.
2: Hang you.
1: And I touch my hand to the green wall. You phase right through it. Amazing.
0: You're now in front of a blue wall. We are in front of a blue
1: wall. I think we want the orange potion, right?
2: We use the orange potion.
0: Yep, you drank that first. Oh.
2: Was it blue and indigo? You're right. Swapped? No, it was indigo and violet. Swapped. The next potion would be green, assuming indigo and violet just swapped with each other. Well, that is our best guess.
1: We're gonna we're gonna try green, and if you're wrong, I'm probably sleeping in my bed, peeing my pants, <laughs> just for like weeks on end.
0: Mint, apple, and hibiscus all at once swirl in a delightful flavor combination, and then you phase through the blue wall.
1: Nice. You know, when I get out of this, uh, tiny Zoth, I'm going to uh, give big Zoth a hug, and just you know, he's not going to know what's going on, but you, me will know that I know that you, me knows what he did.
2: So now we only have one option left for each one.
1: All right. So we're in front of the Indigo Wall, and I'm going to drink the Violet Potion.
0: The Violet Potion. Tastes like a carbonated grape drink, and it's chilled because carbonated grape drinks are disgusting when they're warm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think most carbonated drinks are not good when they're. Warm.
0: And then you phase through the indigo wall, and last right. the violet wall and the indigo potion. Mm-hmm. The indigo potion. What's it taste like, Trevor?
2: Um, it tastes like the color indigo.
0: Wow, that was the most useless answer. <laughs> you can't, you can't. It tastes like the color indigo.
2: Yeah. It tastes like... Um, like...
1: It tastes like snazberries. <laughs> yeah.
2: snazberries, But with a little, bit of, um... a little bit of...
1: A little bit of honey. Mm.
2: Yeah. Nice. And a lot of uh, synthwave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so you yeah. phase through the violet wall, and you find yourself now facing... A sort of standard like old oak door. Um it's not too ornate, it's not shabby, it's just kinda there. It's kinda meh.
1: What kind of uh kind of handle does it have on it?
0: It's got a big brass knocker up at the top, and then it's just got like a turn and open handle. A doorknob. That's what we call those in <laughs> civilized society. <laughs>
1: I turned an open handle, I like it. Even knocks are polite. Odd numbered knocks are rude.
2: Fair enough.
1: I'm going to knock
0: on it five
2: times.
0: (laughs) You knock on it five times. The sound reverberates behind you through the long stone tunnel you've just come down and otherwise nothing happens. And I turn the doorknob and I open it. You turn the doorknob and you open it. As you open the door, You find, just like, in your other hand, oh, you have the rod again that you left on the plinth. It's just back in your hand. And you hear Onions' voice say, up until now, it's been people you think are intelligent who've been helping you. But this room, this room you gotta do all on your lonesome. And if you can figure this one out after this, it'll be all the knowledge of the people who came before you that are helping you in the future. And then his voice kind of fades into the distance. You find yourself staring at the cluttered study of a wizard. It's full of dusty books and vials of all kinds of potion, things you, you you never even read about, you know, just all kinds of manner of potion. This is like, you know, experiments and tools and magnifying glasses and things. There's a really impressive whiskey collection. There's a bunch of strange totems. There's various colored orbs kind of scattered throughout. Some of them have smoke within. Some of them have dust within. Some of them have little swirling storms inside. You find a hat stand with all manner of hat. You find a luxuriously comfortable armed chair chair and at the center there are two empty stone bowls sitting on top of a wooden chest one of those bowls has two runes carved into the center of it and they look like runes of uh, fire and water and the other one has two runes carved into it and they are air and stone
1: fire and water air and stone and you said these two bowls are are just next to each other
0: Yeah, they're sitting on top of a chest next to each other.
1: Is there anything in the bowls other than the runes?
0: No, just the runes.
1: And are the runes, like, side by side, or...?
0: Yeah, they're just side by side in the, like, at the base of the bowl, you know, like, at the bottom of the depression.
1: I'm thinking we need to get something from this room and put it in these bowls.
2: That seems to be what is obvious, or maybe not obvious, but the most obvious solution.
1: Or... We need to get something that is the combination of both of these. So fire and water would be steam. And air and stone.
2: could also be boiling water.
1: Hmm. It could be boiling water. Can
2: air and manifest- stone
1: would be pumice. I don't know. <laughs> Sand.
2: Can you dust? manifest Ooh, there was, anything there was in this room?
1: There was dust in here. I'm going to try to manifest like um nothing happens. a power of dust. Nope.
2: Wouldn't air and stone just be a smooth
1: stone? You said there was some.
2: Often stones are smoothed by other stones.
1: You said there was something dusty in here. I heard you say the word dust. Was that just description, or was that something that was in here?
0: Uh, there is a bookshelf full of dusty books.
1: I'm gonna like scrape some dust off of the, uh, off the ledge of the bookshelf into my hand, and I'm gonna like granularly like pour it out uh, into the the air and stone.
0: As you put it into the bowl, instead of landing neatly on the bottom of the bowl like it's supposed to, it swirls around inside as if some kind of hidden air current has taken it and then falls gently to fill exactly the patterns of the runes, leaving the bowl smooth. And the bowl feels warm to the touch now. All right.
1: Fire and water. Do we see any water in here?
0: You see exactly what I narrated before. It's the cluttered study of a wizard full of dusty books, vials of all manner of potions. I mean, stuff you don't even recognize. This is a workshop, you know, magnifying glasses, Mm -hmm. different alchemy tools, all kinds of things. Uh, You see many strange totems, an impressive whiskey collection, various colored orbs. There's a hat stand with all manner of hat on it. There's a luxuriously comfortable armed chair. And at the center, there are these two stone bowls sitting on top of a wooden chest.
1: The orbs. I'd like to investigate the orbs.
0: Sure. There are five orbs in the room. Uh, they are red, yellow, blue, green, and violet. And in each one, there is a different sort of like thing that makes it hard to see through. So like one of them has a little swirling tornado in it. One of them has some swirling mist. One of them has little particles of snow. One of them has some dust in it. And one of them has just like, um, like if you've seen frosted glass, like it's just that that sort of icy texture on the the outside, so you can't quite see through it.
2: Uh, I have an alternate idea, perhaps in a somewhat comical way. Whiskey is fire and water.
1: Hmm. I like the way you think,
0: <laughs> Jeff Jeb and Alan thinking back to their wine tasting days. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> making uh yeah, like volcano literally volcano
2: yes perhaps
1: um yeah i'm going to i'm going to grab the whiskey and did one of those i'm sorry i was trying to to write and pay attention to what you were saying the orbs did one of them have like a fire of some kind inside of it no okay um then uh then yeah i'm going to grab the whiskey and look for the is there a label of a brand on it or is there any that seem like particularly uh, strong They is dif- one named Volcano
0: they all have different brands uh, sure there's some Unholy Volcano in here why not
1: uh, I'm going to try a, the Unholy Volcano okay and uh, just pour uh, pour it into a little into a little glass mm-hmm. take, a, take a sip and then I'll pour some in
0: uh, oh okay well then I guess uh, roll your save first roll constitution save because Unholy hey, Volcano is straight to wasted it's specifically Unholy Volcano is straight to wasted uh. <laughs> Constitution save. That's a 10. I think that actually passes on the first sip.
2: Let's go. Um,
0: I'm pulling it up right now.
1: I didn't I didn't roll very great, but um, yes. Jeb is thoroughly constituted.
0: You barely eked through. Congratulations. It's you are still a sane, it. sober mind. Uh, and then you worth pour it. the rest into the bowl. Is that what you said? Yeah. Well,
1: uh, yeah, the rest of the cup that I poured. Yeah.
0: So you pour in some of it, and it falls into the bowl like normal but then when it gets to the top it like beads into little droplets and they rearrange to fill in the runes and this bowl too feels warm to the touch the bowls you hear like an audible click and you can now slide the bowls apart from each other on top of the wooden chest which reveals a uh single keyhole in the top of it
1: okay so what would be the Let's go look for a key. What would be the key to the four elements? Let's see. What, does the does the rod look like it would fit into it? It probably could. What is what's the key to dust and whiskey? That's the that's the real question. <laughs> the key to dust and whiskey is another book in the in the Jebediah
0: Peppermint Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: great. What are the uh, the books on the shelf? Do they
0: have They're the Jebediah Peppermint Chronicles. Oh okay. They are now.
2: <laughs> I guess this is all in his mind.
0: They're they're miscellaneous wizard books. Like they're, um, the content of them is not relevant. I'll give okay. you that much. Okay. But they're all different, you know, um, Jeb. ways to change spells and stuff like that. Jeb
1: spends a year here just copying them into his uh, into his his spell book. <laughs> um. Those okay.
3: Orbs
1: are peculiar. Yeah, the orbs are kind of peculiar. Um. I'm gonna try and and place the fit the rod into the keyhole, see if it does it.
0: It slides into the keyhole smooth as butter, and when it's flush with the chest, you hear echoing through your voice or through your head those same like multiple voices all speaking at once. They go, Intelligence is the key. Ah. And then with a click, the chest itself, the lid, folds open, and in front of you you see a small pendant on a silver chain. What's it look like? You tell me.
1: It looks like a four-leaf clover, just like Papa Cole's cufflinks. Yeah, it does. I'm going to reach in slowly and reverently and uh, lift it out.
0: As you lift it out, everything around you fades back into that void and standing in front of you is a human who you do not recognize. He wears a crown of gold upon his head. He has a long flowing cloak of deep violet. He wears boots made for war. And as you look into his deep golden eyes, his form begins to flicker and suddenly you're staring at a queen. And then her form flickers and you're staring at a drow warlord and then his form flickers and you're staring at someone else and they all begin to like merge into one where it's like you're staring at this collective consciousness. The
1: kings of the past ages.
0: And they say to you as one, congratulations, you have proven yourself worthy. And from here on out, we will aid you in your adventures. Once... Just once, right now, you may ask us any question. And if it is within the, the knowledge of past eras to answer, we will give you your answer.
1: Wow. That's a tricky question. Because as I understand it, and Jeb's kind of like postulating through this, um, kind of thinking out loud in front of them. that Because it seems to me that you are from... An age of before this world even was, almost from an entirely different world,
0: and, and yet our universes are shaped of the same things, and they have much in common.
2: Can try giving more insight into the and or you may simply ask a question that you find intellectually stimulating.
1: I think what I'd really like to know is. What happens to the souls of those who die if there were no magic in the world, and if the we were destroyed?
0: They begin to tilt their head and think, and as they look back at you and open their mouth to speak, suddenly the form of the kings of past ages and queens and lords, they vanish, and instead, before you, stretches an immeasurably vast series of, of glowing points connected one to the next by some kind of strange energy. And you realize you are looking at the weave as it existed in past ages. You're looking at the connection of magic that runs between all things. And you hear the voices over top of the, the thing you're looking at. They begin to fade in one after the other, changing tone and timbre as they speak. The weave connects all things. And in order to cast magic, one need only find some way to channel it. And when a soul departs this world, their energy travels through the weave to the place most like them. And the whole thing shrinks into this much smaller scale version of itself. And you see the astral planes and the elemental planes connected to the weave as almost like nodes or endpoints of the weave, where it siphons energy out and then feeds souls back in. They find eternal rest, rest, slumber, in the place that is most like them. Some to the chaos, some to the astral seas, and some, some few to the actual planes themselves. And the planes begin spinning around you like someone has spun a lazy Susan, faster and faster and blurring, until suddenly they shatter and everything falls apart. And the voices go, and without this connection, Without these channels for the souls to travel through, there is nothing but faded images wandering aimlessly through the ethereal plane, unable to find their way home until they either are destroyed, 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 lost, or until someone rebuilds their path for them. You blink. And in that instance of a blink, you find yourself sitting back on your bed, on your on your cot, the pendant clutched tightly in your hand and the rod in your other hand. And you see a detail you would never noticed before on the frosted rod. You see a tiny hook on the side, the exact diameter of the chain that this pendant is hung through. And you can feel almost like magnets, like it wants to be placed there.
1: I place it on it.
0: And as soon as you do, you feel your attunement to the rod of intelligence become complete. And in that moment, you also understand the abilities that it gives you, the things that it can do. First, at all times, you have the spell Comprehend Languages cast upon you permanently. While you hold this and it is touching your skin, so while you are bearing the rod, not just like stowing it in a pack, you have Comprehend Languages. Three times um, before a long rest, you have an ability called Amplified Intelligence, which gives you advantage on anything intelligence-based. It could be a save, it could be a skill check, anything like that, you, you get advantage. You can use that three times per long rest. And then once per lunar cycle, you are able to summon counsel from the Rod and consult with someone within. And this isn't like what you just had where they just answer a question of yours. This is like a situation in your world that they've not experienced before, but you then, like having a shoulder angel, you're able to like, what do you think about this? What would you have done, King Nero? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the abilities that you have in this rod. You also get the sense that there are powers yet to be unlocked. Like that if you were to combine this with other things, then Um, perhaps maybe if you put other sections of the rod of seven parts in place, maybe it would do more things though. You cannot quite figure out what they are at this moment. Owlin and Zothkug. uh, It has been a month and a week since your escape from the uh, dark site beneath tumbleweb. The gray watch have been moving you from safe house to safe house, trying to keep you under the radar until the Aboleth stop looking and it is safe for them to get you out of the country. Um, or at least out of out of the city state of Tumbleweb and towards Central Uradah, where you are hoping to next search for the avatars. And Jeb has been in a weird like trance state with his hands like like stone, gripped around the rod since you found him there that day. You were about to move um, since you went back to his cot to fetch him. He was just there, clutching it, eyes closed, breathing stable, but otherwise just catatonic. Jeb you don't feel hungry, you feel nourished and and you know, alive and, and hale. You just haven't been conscious this whole time because you've been going through this mental trial. However, you realize you don't realize Jeb has woken up, but you realize something is different because Owlin you suddenly feel that spark within you, that that ability that you used to have where you could you could snap your fingers and you could summon light. It it almost feels like that's back
4: um Allen's going to try going to like kind of like um interesting and then snap his finger and attempt to summon light again
0: and indeed at the tip of your finger light appears in the way that it used to and Zothkug seeing this you realize something too might be different for you and you sit down cross-legged to meditate and you don't feel your connection to Kelnor something about that is still severed And yet, you feel that energy that you used to get when you had access to Kel'nor, that divine inspiration, that presence of the gifts of Kel'nor, that magic that you've been missing for two years now, suddenly it's back. And as you turn, trying to figure out what's going on, Jeb stands at the door of his own room, having just realized this, and Jeb, you, seeing their magic, kind of processing it, thinking about it in your mind, you blink, and when you open your eyes, that tiny microcosm of the weave is radiating out of your section of the rod of many parts. uh, Of seven parts, I should say. The, the, The past eras had their own weaves. So all of the 72 ages, each of them was knit together by a weave of magic, and this rod contains a small part of that power. And so within... Uh, I don't remember the exact number, so sorry if I screw it up, chat, but I think it's 100 feet of Jeb. We worked this out offline. Um, I think it's 100 feet, but if it's wrong, I'll fix it when we have the first session of Season 2. Within 100 feet of Jeb, while he bears the rod, everyone within that space has access to the past weave and therefore magic of all kinds. Um, not just friendlies. Like, you don't get to choose to turn it off or on for anybody.
5: Uh, do, does the plant react to
0: this? Yes, the plant flowers. Okay. It like blooms into a happy little plant. And Jeb, as you walk out the doorway, you also see that sitting in front of Owlin, sort of half covered in a cloth, is some device that he's been working on for, uh, you know, the past month with Elaine Mollusk. Do you want to tell us about that, Jake?
4: Sure. Uh, I got to pull up the little description I made again. Um, It is definitely a small device. Because it can fit on my face. Because it's glasses. Um, they are... They they look kind of like normal eyewear, except they're thick. You know, they're kind of bulky. They're pretty nerdy looking, pretty dorky looking, especially on this big guy. I'm loving um, it. And, uh, sorry, once again, pulling up what I wrote about it. Um, and it is... Allen's spell focus because he is now taking two levels of artificer. And, um, it's a fun time. Not, 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 not like, you know, all the bad stuff that's taken to get there. <laughs> but, um, yeah. They are nerdy spectacles. Sorry, I'm reading my description again now. They make Alan's eyes look comically large. Um, <laughs> like they're very thick, uh, And, uh, like, uh, he can, he'll even demonstrate, um, that, like, now that he, like, snapped his fingers and light came from him, he was, like, he kind of gets this, like, expression of, like, oh, oh, okay. And then, like, puts on the glasses, snaps his fingers again, and then this time the light shines out of the glasses like a (laughs) searchlight. Just, like, so wherever he looks, it's, like, shining. And it's the same length that it normally would have been if he cast light normally, but it's kind of a way for him to, like you know cast spells through it and then he explains like and and uh now that i've learned a few offensive spells um they they can they they it kind of looks like it kind of looks like i have like 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 laser eyes when oh, i use please it. don't blow That's anything up in here <laughs> We no, just no, no, had to no, move no. because
0: you blew something up in the last safe house elaine strides into the room oh he's up hello hey elaine how's Hi. it going you were kind of a statue there for a bit
1: yeah, uh I appreciate you guys taking care of me while I was uh while I was doing that. And Jeb kind of tucks the uh the clover. Like like the it's it's Can he like, like take it off and wear it?
0: Um it's well it's like chained to the oh, um, that's right, the rod that's right. now. So
1: Yeah. Um he kinda tucks the tucks the rod into his coat. Um yeah, thanks for uh thanks for taking care of me.
0: Your uh, light spell extinguishes, by the way, Alan. When he takes yeah. away the rod, oh,
5: oh. Man. <clears throat> ah, you—you were out for a while. What happened?
1: Well, um, I found out a couple things. Um, I was able to to work this thing out, and as I pull it back out, uh, I don't know if Alan's eyes light things turn back on.
0: You just feel your magic again. The spell has still ended, mm. so you would have to cast it again. Mm-hmm.
1: I figured this thing out, at least part of it. I'm starting to understand it. I feel like there's still some more stuff to uncover about it. Um, And it's it's definitely going to help us help the world. But I've learned that the responsibilities that we have on our shoulders, guys, is much bigger than I thought. In what way? Well, it's been, a it's been a while since I've been a dad, but I've got one last fatherly duty to take care of. Um, we need to go save my daughter. I found out that when the, when the weave was destroyed, souls can't move on, Hmm. and they're either lost or destroyed themselves, and I'm not sure what to do about it yet, but that means everybody that this planet loses between now and when we figure this out are probably going to be gone.
5: Can you use the rod to help him?
1: Well, that's that's on my list of things to try out. I don't know. I, I thought about maybe if if someone were to pass away or if we were to find somebody's spirit, if they could maybe like take refuge in in the weave that I have that's that's coming out of this or or if we could use this to at least channel it for them to move on, that might be a thing. Perhaps
4: restoring the weave will also restore their pathway to move on.
1: Well, that's the idea, but um, that's a big task, and it needs to be sooner rather than later.
4: Mm. Well, we'll move urgently.
0: So what will you do? Elaine asks the group at large. What's next?
4: Well, we talked about moving to Central Urida to start tracking down the avatars and setting them free. Um, it's also establishing a business. Yes, establishing a system, a business in that um, that way. It's not just us working to restore this. Yes, exactly.
0: Will you change the name every time you hire a new person?
4: Uh no we uh we we're four guys ventures and vibes because we're the original four guys but they'll eventually there'll be more guys and in in a way the four guys are of the more guys that's a that needs to be workshopped but um we'll figure something out like that maybe we'll maybe we'll change the four to f o r
0: maybe maybe hire someone oh. for marketing <laughs>
4: uh that is the plan yes
0: The next thing we're going to do is we're going to time skip a little bit because season two is going to start after a time skip. And I would like us to collectively work out what that time skip is. I had been thinking um, six months plus the one that Wash just spent in the thing puts us at seven months that's what i had been thinking the time that remains is going to be spent first moving you through safe houses until it is safe to move you and then the gray watch has to laboriously and slowly sneak you out of tumbleweb through the tunnels which is why it would take so long they can get you as far as the acid corridor which is where um let me see i don't think i have a full screen it's of close to where we met here yeah. Uh, yeah yeah very close to where you met um, they can get you as close uh, to the acid corridor and they can show you a tunnel that goes under it. But then you're kind of leaving their realm. And so you would from there push into central Uradah and the dwarven kingdom of Udral. Mm-hmm. Um, you would cross Udral to get to where the first avatar is. So we would pick up basically right as you were approaching that first, um, that first layer of the avatar that we know about. Um, so that that's, I was thinking seven months now including Wash's thing and during that time you would also have established your business by mail um, in, we, we're we going to use the Dwarven Kingdom of Gaim or Queendom I mm-hmm. should say of Gaim. Yeah. Using Zoth's connection with um, Caitlyn, daughter of Salen. Um, uh, Josh?
5: Yes? I would uh, use the spell sending probably to help expedite that process of like communicating with the princess since I'm familiar with her. I can use that's the spell sending. I can only use it three times a day right now, but you can
0: use the spell, but the weave doesn't reach far enough. Uh, so you'd probably have to use scale and sense for the moment. Okay. Um, or something. I mean, you could get some kind of, you know, sending cipher and use wingle digits for that, but it, it gets worked out that way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we've also talked about, and this is the other part of our bonus content. We've also talked about each of you hiring a department head for four guys, ventures and vibes. Cause there are four departments at your company. There's the department of cool stuff, the department of finances, the department of marketing and the department of services, like actual labor and, and doing the work. And so each of you took uh charge of one of those departments. And so what I would like to do now is introduce you to who everyone found. And I have Fox's person, Fox is away again tonight chat because he has COVID. So I'm just taking care of his stuff. Um, yep. But each of you found an NPC and they're going to come and like meet the founders. Now this is, they're like, you know, Oh, we're going to meet the team. So this is your chance to like, it's it's kind of like entrance interviews. Like they're already hired, but this is your chance to get to know who your companions found. So this who is would... the the first team meeting. Exactly. So who would you like to meet first? Which department head?
4: Uh well, um, uh, since it's a bit more on 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 like the fun side, um, I I myself have found uh. Randy here for the cool stuff. Yo,
0: what's up, dudes? <laughs> and uh, a tall human strolls in wearing, uh, you know how Alan has these really thick dorky glasses? This guy has the really narrow, like, cool bro sunglasses on, but he still is, like, buff and tower. You know, he- he's kind of like Alan. He's got that, like, like mechanic bro vibe. Um, he's got on a pair of overalls, but they're, like... Is he a
1: shade tree artificer?
0: Uh, I can't tell you that because I, I don't <laughs> know I haven't made their character sheets yet um, but he is an artificer for sure um, and he as he walks in he goes who's ready to make some and he pulls off his sunglasses and there's another set beneath them cool stuff
5: <laughs> so I am.
0: work with you all been uh been doing cool stuff my whole life ready to do more cool stuff but now make more money at it it's gonna be <laughs> rocking <clears throat> It's a
4: perfect uh, fit
0: uh Azoth here um What's the coolest thing you've done? What's the coolest thing I've done? Man, it's hard to find a cool thing I haven't done. I, I went skydiving off the top of a mountain using nothing but a backpack and a grocery bag and made my way down safely <laughs> once using a bobby pin to hold them together as a parachute. And then when I got to the bottom, I cut down a tree and used my shoelace to turn it into a helicopter to fly <laughs> me home. You probably haven't heard of a helicopter. They're these cool things that go <laughs> and they like fly you around. They're pretty rad. I can make it them. Is a it's a pretty cool. cool concept. Yeah, yes. they're, they're pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, now I'm now I mostly build things. My friends call me Mig. I mean, my name's Randy, so it's like a weird nickname. Except there's like Mig welding, which is when you like shoot stuff with fire and it sticks together. It's pretty cool. I dig it. All I right, figured,
4: um, even though Edison isn't quite in our competition per se, they were eyeing him. I figured we would scoop him up before they could. If that if that makes sense.
1: I got I got one question for you,
4: uh,
1: Randy. I Maybe mean, me with it, they, short stuff first off uh, i am your superior so no short stuff but
0: <laughs> understood do sorry a, about that apologize do a kickflip <laughs> right there in that moment he rolled an 18 he does a kickflip right there in that
1: moment <laughs> i i've seen everything i need to see <laughs> i, I need, i've seen everything i need to see we're, we're good here we're good here i think All we're right. good what, what good, did he kickflip
0: what was he skating he's got a longboard that changes length to become a skateboard when he's ready to slice it like shink, spreads back out so he did the kickflip on it as a lawnboard, but then when he lands he like kicks a button with his heel and it shink, like shrinks back into a skateboard so he That's can stow cool. it yeah I just I look- keep it here in the like front pocket of my overalls That's where I <laughs> keep my skateboard you never Hello? know when you're gonna need a skateboard
1: he's a big bluff brawn surfer <laughs> artificer dude with overalls Is he- does he like have like the overalls with no shirt no,
0: they're like mechanic overalls. So it's oh, like, like coveralls. I guess they're coveralls. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, coveralls is more. I mean,
1: I was here for I was here
0: for the like the the Jean overalls <laughs> like, with the, with the cut off short
1: short legs on them and like just like buff muscles underneath. Oh
5: my god, but you know I, that's just I, I look forward to all the
0: cool stuff, man. Hey, me too. <laughs> and He strolls confidently out of the room. As he leaves, an eagle cries. (laughs) Um, So so anyway,
4: I was pretty happy with uh, how my interviews went.
0: That's cool stuff. So we've got finances, marketing, and services.
5: Well, uh, I guess I could introduce my guy. A little more serious note, um, but I think I did a a great job. Uh, Let me introduce you to uh, Joffrey
0: Belvedere. Mmm, yes, it's, hello. he strolls into the room. He is a dwarf with a very well-kept beard. He's dressed very posh. He has a, you know, a breast pocket with a pocket watch that's safely kept behind a kerchief, which he constantly takes out and polishes, but which you never see him actually open to check the time. And then he has a small, like, pocket abacus clipped to his belt, but it only has three beads on three rungs, so he can only count to 55 and only in base four. On his on his abacus, but he just strolls in and says, hmm, "Yes, hello. Suppose you're my other employers, are you?"
4: Uh, yes. Um, lovely you to are meet the you. The head of finance, correct?
0: Ah, uh, yes, yes, finances. He pats his pocket abacus. Tis a uh, noble deed, and I look forward to properly keeping the books in all the ways that are proper.
4: What's uh? Oh. What's your experience with finances?
0: My experience with finances, well, <laughs> and he like you know, brushes off his shoulder a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm something of an investor myself. And so I'm very good at managing money and placing it where it needs to go, finding returns for my investments. For example, this pocket watch, and he pulls it out. Do you know what this pocket watch is worth? Neither do I, because I got it for a steal. Then he puts it back (laughs) into his his breast pocket, but it's worth a lot and people eye it very happily. I can do this, but with your company. So that people look at it and go, do you know what Four Guys Ventures and Vibes is worth? (laughs) Neither do I, but it's worth a lot. That's the conversation that we will have with our peers.
1: Are uh, Are you classically trained?
0: Classically trained? I'm modernically trained. I'm every kind of trained. I've even been on trains.
4: <laughs> uh uh Wow, very very uh very mm-hmm.
5: interesting.
1: I mean as long as long as you can as long as you can manage the money,
4: I'm, I'm happy with that. As long as you don't keep as long as you don't literally lose track of how much we're worth. Um that sounds great. Well
0: that's what the books are for. The books always know
4: uh yes and you keep those books right, right? and like so i would you're, reference you're in them if I, them. I
0: needed to yes I, okay yes, that's how perfect that okay yeah. <laughs> I just
4: wanted to make sure that like you didn't think the books kept themselves
0: but there is the question here of how much we're going to start with and he shows you that the top of his books is blank we haven't really decided what uh our initial startup capital will be but maybe that's a meeting for another time
5: uh perhaps yes another time joffrey
0: very well very well call me joffrey
5: We'll do an
1: inventory and uh, yeah, sort that all
0: out. Very good. And he bows before you, just like a you know, like a Kurt Butler bow, not like a anything else. And then he strolls out of the room. What do you think?
4: Uh, he he seemed uh, a, a bit worryingly vague at first about how money works, um, but I, I think he'll do a good job. He seems quite serious. I like his confidence, though.
5: He's <laughs> he was he the best man for the job.
4: Okay. I trust you.
0: Fox, (laughs) who it's been like, you know, probably four or five months now that you're meeting your your company heads of departments. Fox is still sorting out his argument with Willow, so he's not in this business meeting. But um, his hire for head of marketing uh, strolls in. Hey, I'm Marcy. She is a spider. Oh, she's got a cigar hanging out of one mouth. Uh, one mouth. She's got a cigar hanging out of the <laughs> side of her mouth, and another cigar in like one of her sort of spare legs. You know, like she's holding a spare mm-hmm. cigar. Um, and are she... they both lit? But yeah, they're both lit. She's, <laughs> she's alternating between the two of them. Goes, hey, mossy what can I do for you? Uh, yeah. Are you the the head of marketing? I am. Uh, what's what's your marketing experience? Well. I know how to talk to people when they're not being compliant. You know, you, you gotta understand, as this is a Zapata, you know, I've got 792 children. So I've kind of <coughs> been through all of it as we go through, you know, the different ways of raising, you know, raising children and different challenges you have. And it turns out that grown adults are just more children.
5: Do you have any suggestions for the business when you first saw it or like now like right now would you the first you thing
0: to we gotta do honey is fix your image i mean your your name's being dragged through the mud out there i don't know if you realize this but like nobody respects four guys ventures and vibes at the moment and the people who haven't heard of you they're like a blank canvas right out to the east but you're here in in central Urda. And we gotta handle this before we go anywhere else. So what we're gonna do, she takes another puff of her cigar, then switches to the other cigar and takes a puff of that one too. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start off by making the people love you. Okay, we're gonna keep prices low. We're gonna keep returns high. And from the other room you hear Jeffrey go, I'm not so sure about, and then what <laughs> we're gonna do is once they love you, right? Once they love you, then, they're all going to come back to you for business and we're going to start driving rivals out of business. And suddenly her whole visage gets cold, forcibly. <laughs> and when their doors are shut <laughs> and we have the monopoly, we'll do whatever we want with our presses. And that's how it works, honey. Hey.
1: Well, you can definitely see Fox's influence in, uh, in
0: <laughs> Um uh, It's good to
1: have you on board.
0: Let's try and, not to resort uh, to violence so quickly all is fair in marketing i think that's a <laughs>
1: I have uh i have a question for you marcy yeah two circles one yellow one green and there's a, sp- a line that connects both of them how would you sell that to me
0: two circles one yellow one green does it matter which one is yellow and green to you like is this nope. okay so nope, I got...
1: you make it pretty. You sell me this.
0: All right. All right, so let's let's take a look at your life right now, okay? Let's just zoom out a little bit, okay? Cuz here you are. What how old are you, sir? How old are you right now? Yes, I am. How old are you?
1: absolutely yeah that's right you are that's
0: right you are and because you're that old you still you're still you look at you i mean you're you're standing around with a bunch of other dudes trying to start up a company like some kind of midlife crisis now what you need is some some stability something to rely on you know what i mean you need something Mm -hmm. that you can look to and be like this this is security right this is Mm -hmm. what's going to get me through no matter what else happens and so what i have here for you what i have here for you is a revolutionary product okay courtesy of four guys ventures and vibes you know we're revolutionary in our products you won't have heard of this anywhere else yet okay now take a look at this and she holds up a um like a small wooden scratch tablet on which she has somehow even colored in like a (laughs) yellow circle and a green circle, and they're connected. You see this, you see this right here? Mm -hmm. This is a map, okay? You're in this yellow zone right here. And in order to get you to safety, to get you to safe passage to this green zone, there's only one path you can take, okay? I mean, why didn't I think of that? That one path you can take, very simple, it's an investment opportunity, okay? So what you're gonna do is you're not gonna have to do any work you're gonna get to do whatever you want you know think of something (laughs) you like right now just put it you don't need to tell me what it is it doesn't matter put it in your life think about that thing you got that thing you love (laughs) you're gonna be doing that while we're busy making you money on your money okay because right now this isn't just your life this is your finances. You're in the yellow zone. You know, we're worried Absolutely. about stuff. So what you're going to do is you're going to just invest just a little bit of money in four Guys Ventures yep, got to get vibes. to that money zone. Yep. And what we're going to do with that little bit of money from you, what we're going to do with it is we're going to take that money and use it on a dungeon delve. Okay. Because yep. the, what go. we are ultimately go. is dungeon delvers. So we're going to use that on things like rope. We're going to use it on things like packs, you, you know, boring rope. stuff, you, you know, packs. stuff that costs a little bits of money. But when we get down in that dungeon, your little investment is going to help our team search that dungeon and empty it. Okay? By the time we're done, we're talking priceless gems. We're talking magic items from before the darkening. We're talking Oof. all kinds of stuff like that. And what we do with those items, we bring them back, and then we go to our investors like you, and we say, hey, would you rather have this magic item, which is pretty balling, or it is. would you like us? She takes a sip of her, her, a puff of her cigar, or... Would you like us to sell this and give you a 10,000% return on your investment? that's what I want. Rat, all you got to do is sign up for our yellow circle, green circle plan. And she holds it up to you with a signature line on it.
1: Alan, I think I'm out of the business.
4: I need to
0: sign. (laughs) I need to buy what
1: what she's got. Where's that money? I I, I I want like
4: four of these. Technically, we're the owners and operators of that. So you've invested probably the most... Of of all of Jeffrey's us, Jeffrey's voice rings oh. in from the
0: next room again. Technically, you haven't invested anything yet. <laughs> well, it would really not be now, if Jeffrey. You invested something.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeb shakes his head and he like snaps out of it. He's like, "Whoa, you got me in a spell there." Wow, I'm I'm sold.
0: You're double hired. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> she puts the she leaves the tablet with you and like pats you know like pats you on the shoulder. You just that. staring
1: at it. Yeah.
0: This is it. All right, you need is gonna work. Else or can I go get to work? You can get to work. <laughs> yeah, I can. And she strolls out of the room. Wait, What? You hear her swearing to herself in Scritch, and then she eventually <laughs> comes out of Scritch <laughs> and goes, "Freaking meetings when I could be freaking marketing." Freaking <laughs> and then she goes back into Sapider and swears a bit more. Um, that, by the way, is an actual personality trait of her. She speaks um, common, dwarvish, elvish, orcish, and draconic fluently, but always reverts to Scritch when she swears. Like, <laughs> <It's just laughs> like that's funny. Always a thing. Nice. Guess we gotta
5: learn some scritch. Uh
0: okay, so you're waiting for the last person to come into the room, but they don't. They're still like outside in the other room, I guess. They're you know, they're they're just not not in here.
5: Hey,
1: uh Yeah, let me well, she was supposed to be in here saying so I'm gonna like poke my head out the door and just like like open the door and then knock on it to like make a little bit of commotion.
0: You open hey. the door and knock on it, and as the door swings open, you see this like fiery businesswoman in a power suit holding a um like an auto <laughs> (laughs) Uh, The auto ferret by the neck going you tell him that if he doesn't get his butt into work on time next next week on Monday morning I'm telling you he's done. We haven't even started this company yet, and he's been late twice. That is unacceptable Okay, now you you tell him that and the ferret of course being just like an, an automaton just is like and then turns around and skitters off. And then she pulls out a pad of paper from her pocket and starts scribbling stuff down frantically. And then she goes, "Huh? Did you? Did someone say something?" She turns around. Oh, oh! Is it time for the? Sorry, it's time for the meeting yeah, again. You're up. It? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. You're up. I'm in. I'm coming. I'm coming. Sorry. Uh. Okay. And she strolls into the room, looking just the teeniest bit flustered, but not like panic flustered. Just like, wow, I have lots of work to do. Just a
1: little, a little frizz in the hair. Yeah, That's a little all. frizz in the yeah. hair.
0: She's like, mm-hmm. you know, she's got a very practical bun. She's like tap, you know, um putting away her notes as she walks into the room and you know kind of looking up at you uh hi zal short for Zalary, don't call me Zalary. nobody calls me Zalary. just call me zal
5: what can i do for you um who who were you trying to summon zal if you don't mind me asking
0: oh i was just you know reaching out to some of my other contacts to see if i can get a a kind of base network set up for when we begin services very uh forward of you well of course uh, what, what
4: what is your background, Sal? What what is, have you been in any similar positions like this before?
0: Oh yes, I ran a mercenary company, and uh, they you know if you can wrangle mercenaries, you can wrangle anybody. So you know when when old Jeb here came to me and you know asked if I could wrangle some dungeon delvers, I was like, come on, dungeon delvers! It's not like I'm asking them to go and die for someone they don't know. This is easy peasy. So uh, yeah, this this is gonna be a this is gonna be a breeze. Trust me, I know how to get to the right people. I know how to get to them quickly, and I know how to get them into work.
5: Why'd you leave the mercenary me? company? Sounds like it was going well.
0: Because this is gonna be easier, and we're gonna make more money. Good and enough for me. Look, I am all about achievement. Okay, one thing you can always expect from Old Zal is a huh, hundred and... And then she kind of like nods off in front of you for a second. Uh, 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 did this happen in the interview, Jeb?
1: Oh yeah, and I just like tug on her on the belt of her huh,
5: power suit. Hundred
0: and ten percent every time from Old Zal.
5: Yep. Is th- is this a common occurrence? Is what a common occurrence? I just look at
1: Jeb. I'm just like, it's okay.
5: All right, man. It's normal. You're 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 free to continue your business. I don't have any more questions, Alan.
4: Uh no. Uh, I I I trust Jeb with this with with I I feel very confident in all of our hires.
0: Excellent. Well, then I'm gonna go get back to work. See you on Monday, and she like walks out of the room. And as soon as she's like said, see you on Monday, you can see the like the retail smile goes away and she goes back to like, I'm about to lay into an employee <laughs> mode. And she like walks back out <laughs> and you hear, but she hasn't even made it to the ferret yet. And she goes, all right, now let's talk about Bill. And she like grabs the <laughs> thing, the door so swings like shut behind lockstep. her. Yeah.
5: Um, <laughs> could I uh, summon? Yeah.
0: You don't need to summon me. Oh, I is he here already here? Oh, and Yeah. Okay. It's just sitting cross-legged on the floor in the corner. You have well, chosen some he spins interesting employees. In the chair.
5: Yeah, swivels around exactly. As 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 the, the base master, I figured you should, you know, get to know them. And also, if you had any questions for us about your role and responsibility, now would be a great time for you to ask us.
0: I feel confident that I understand my work. My job is primarily to coordinate the upkeep and maintenance of our facility and to make sure that our other heads of department are acting in accordance with the principles that you will presumably one day establish. Uh, Until then, (laughs) I will just try to make sure that they are not losers. (laughs) Perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. Secure the
1: W, protect from the L.
0: One thing I do need clarity on is whether you would like me to travel in the truck or whether you would like me to stay at the actual workplace facility. It seems to make more sense to me to be at the workplace facility and send you reports regularly.
4: Workplace facility makes more sense to me as well. Definitely.
0: I have also taken note, Jeb, of your your first company directive of secure the W and avoid the L. (laughs) Thank you. Yep. Uh, With that in mind, do you have any ventures that you would like to begin? And I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to explain both as a reminder to you and so that chat knows for the first time um the way that four guys ventures and vibes is going to work because now that the business is established the next thing that it's going to do is start operating um and basically this happens in cycles so you know how we've been doing tavern talks where we do like these kind of talk show episodes once a month well now they will include a business update um so it will be basically in it whatever time it needs to be but sort of kind of in step with the campaign But they'll just be regular updates on the the business ventures and the way that this works is you as the company heads give directives and a directive can be anything you dream up. What do you want the business to do? What do you want a specific department to do? Do you want marketing to try and find you dungeons to raid or get you access to an important person? Do you want services to go and complete side quests that are posted on notice boards? Do you want cool stuff to try and get you discounts on purchasing from a certain supplier or modify items in your inventory or stock a bunch of an item that you seem to go through a lot of? You know, should finance be thinning the workforce to increase your profits? Those kinds of things. You give a directive what you want to achieve with your business. I will decide the what that turns into as a venture. So based on your directive... There becomes a venture, and a venture has a length in days. It has an operating cost. It has a potential return based on the outcome you desire. So like, it's not always money, but it will usually be financial. Um, and it'll have a difficulty based on your company assets, your staff, and the surrounding world. And then using those, we will generate a result. Um, based on the success or the failure of your venture, stuff will happen. Um, there will also be an intangible impact on reputation. And what I mean by that is I didn't want to make up rules or have systems we have to memorize around this, but I track your reputation by location. So like in Tumbleweb, for example, I have a thing that I call the popularometer um, that's like a little mechanic. Maybe I'll talk about that in a tavern talk sometime, but it's just a way to figure out um, what's your notoriety and what's your fame in an area and then if one of them outweighs the other then you might find shops are closing their doors when you walk by or you might find that people are running up to you and asking you for help because they trust you or stuff like that. So what your company does will have some impact on how that works everywhere. And then at the end of your venture you will receive at the next business meeting which will be during our tavern talks a report. It'll just be a concise uh, concise like, you know, message that is delivered after the venture is completed and details its results. And they could trickle in throughout the month if they're relevant to like current story. Like for example, we want to meet with this person who's relevant to the quest the four of us are doing. Then that one might come in session. But if you just say, Hey, go delve some dungeons and find cool things, then that one will just come in your regular like monthly meeting that you're getting from the company. So got it. that's, that's how it works. Easy peasy. Cool. So with cool. that in mind, we jump back. Now we zoom back into yeah, the mic and it, Asking, do you have any initial directives? What would you like us to do?
5: Uh, well, I'd like finance to determine the operating cost of of uh, of current operations. So how much would adding a new employee cost up to, let's say, 10 employees for now outside of the, the heads. So calculate their cost then up to 10 and plus a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to 10 cost of that so we can figure out how much we need to make in order to sustain that level of employment. Um, then obviously we need to start hiring people to dungeon delve and find dungeons to delve.
4: That does make sense. Um, I would like, uh, cool stuff to, um, start researching and developing any tools that could aid us in, um, easy treasure collection if that makes sense. So if our return to us and return to investors heavily relies on us being able to clear out a dungeon efficiently, um, especially if we can't hire as many employees as we may wish at the beginning, um, investing in devices that allow us to transport treasure with as few amount of people as possible and yet carry an efficient amount of treasure may be extremely helpful.
1: I think we need to, to get... Uh... What's her name? Val, Val, Zal, um, Zal. Thank you. Sorry, you hired her. <laughs> well, I mean, Jeb kind of pats the rod in his pocket. It's it's been a month. Um, I want her to who, to start hammering down a uh, a training regimen for these new employees, and just to get that uh, get that workflow all all ironed out ahead of time, so that when we uh, <clears throat> when we hire folks. They can kind of hit the ground running with uh, with better efficiency. Want to, processes and procedures, we need to get all that, that worked out.
0: Instill the company motto of secure the W, avoid the L.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Very good. I will make sure it happens. Thanks, yeah. yeah. Anything else that you guys want to talk about as far as business things, questions you have about those, anything like that?
1: I do have a question, but it's more of a, uh, it might affect our business decisions. Actually, um, DM while, while we have like a little bit of time and kind of like just puttering around our business place and, and doing stuff, can Jeb do some investigation to see how the Cypher truck and its Cypher components hack like how they behave? while under while in the circumference of the weave
0: oh that's very interesting sure he can yes um let me figure it out
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay um so jeb's expectations he's he's thinking that uh that the the spell is coded into the cipher right but but maybe like there's still some like mechanical thing like like some some uh arcane part of it that that needs to operate so He's, he's kind of assuming that there might be, like, a reduced cost of consumption of wingle digits, but I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, like, what he's hoping for.
0: So here's what you find initially, and then you can roll Arcana. Well, just roll the Arcana first, and I'll figure out how much to tell you based on that.
1: I am trained in that, so it's going to be good. Roll we high. We hope. Come on, roll high. That's an 11. That's not bad. So 20.
0: Okay, um wow that is a good arcana modifier. Um, yeah, he's got a plus 9. Yeah, dirty <laughs> 20. Um you find that if you sort it is not the same shape, but if you kind of force the rod into the depression where you would normally insert wingle digits, um sometimes this the cipher is kind of like spark to life. Like it, you know, the effect begins and then when you remove the rod it stops. Um and from that, you can deduce that sort of what's happening is you are... The the cipher is a thing, like an arcane focus, that is meant to channel the weave. And so when you connect it to the weave, stuff happens. And then when you disconnect the weave from it, stuff stops happening. And so in the same like normally like your aura of weave which is i guess the easiest way to describe what you have Mm -hmm. your aura of weave allows other people to intentionally channel magic through it right so like they can bring a new focus into play this thing is almost like that inverted like this is a ready-made focus that needs a weave to be inserted and so the the wingle digits are almost acting like a small weave like you've pushed a weave into the thing which Mm. allows it to work because it's already focusing and, and doing the magic like you said it's kind of coated in so you're just pushing in a little bit of power to go through that and um it does not like the rod does not reduce the cost because you still need to find a way to cram the weave into that teeny little spot to make it fit in the focus rather than tapping into the weave that's everywhere like a normal arcane thing would be
1: so, in my experimentation of this, could could Jeb um, formulate a certain level shell, essentially a spell slot, and slam it into there, and then follow it with the weave, and like essentially charge, like cast the spell by using one of his spell slots and guiding it in with the uh, rod.
0: That's really interesting. Let me think about that from a okay. mechanical perspective. Let me let me answer you on that offline, and we'll talk about it in the next session. Okay. Um, I didn't expect to get so heady into the way the, the world works. <laughs> and You're good. That's no, 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 and I'd have drank some caffeine when we started streaming. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Sorry, a little more here. Sorry. About I mean, that. mechanically a...
1: speaking, I think it would be like I don't I don't know if it would be. I'm not, I'm not going to bargain with you. Like you said, you you figure it out. But yeah. for it to for it to not only cost a spell slot. But also to like negate the 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 weave aura in exchange for activating this thing, I think is is maybe a, a decent trade-off mechanically speaking.
0: So what you're trying to do is like channel the weave almost, like like you're trying to basically take this weave and shrink it back down like a what a wingle digit does?
1: Well I'm just trying to activate the device without wingle digits. And if the if the rod like provides the the means for magic to flow into the cipher and power it, but it still needs the magic. Then it would stand to reason that Jeb could dump a spell slot shell into it to provide the fuel for it.
0: Mm. So, okay. so
1: like the rod might act as like a a lightning rod, and then he could funnel magic down into it. Uh, that would that would then run across the the spell coded in the cipher, and activate it.
0: Got it. I'm gonna think about that and I will give you a clear answer for the next time that we're that we're live. Cool. Uh, but it's a cool idea. Anything else nice. we, we want to talk about? Chat, do you have any questions? Like- that would also
1: be limited by the uh the spell slots that Jeb has available. Like we've got that magnificent mansion spell slot on there, but that's like a an eighth level or like a seventh level spell. So like Jeb yeah. wouldn't even be able to touch that.
0: It's true, um, yeah. So, chat, what they're talking about right now is we've talked about installing some, like, cool magic mods on the Cypher truck, and I gave them a price <laughs> list, but they never quite landed on which things they wanted. Chat wants to know if Marcy is single. Uh, yeah, that. Marcy is a single mom of 792. <laughs> Oof. Life lessons, y'all. Life lessons. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're, they're twins. No, I'm just kidding. Because, like, spiders lay all their eggs at one. Um, so... What was a I going to say? Oh, I was going to talk about the the cipher truck. So they've talked about like installing cool magic-y things on the cipher truck, but didn't quite land on which ones they wanted. Um,
4: I thought we did for some I'm, reason. I was going to say I thought we did too.
0: I I asked like, can you confirm that you want, and I gave you the, like I read the list back to you, and I don't think anyone oh. replied to that. Well, um, yes, my answer now is yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll um, confirm. We'll, yeah, we'll jump back in there and figure that out. Um, over the next couple days we'll have that for for monday as well um (laughs) chat um i this is not something i anticipated happening with chat here that's (laughs) um well anyway on that note i think i'm going to call our session for the day to a close and uh this will be a podcast episode that comes out on friday and then next week we'll be back into the normal flow of what you've been getting on Spotify. But I think, if I remember correctly, I think Wash has made his delve available on YouTube. Is that right?
1: I haven't put up the final episode. But yes, if you guys do want to to find out more about the Sepiters, uh, Belly Savalas played one in our dungeon delve. Mm -hmm. and uh, i think that's the
4: meta commentary that's happening right now about being attracted to yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, i do plan to have the last um and final episode up on there
1: it was
0: a fun time oh
1: man i i I got a little teary towards the end i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. lie i'm not gonna lie it was really good
0: i caught literally only the end but it was very good (laughs) (laughs) that's the important part yeah do you want to talk a little bit about that delve and how it went and like highlights and stuff or should we should we just call it for the night? It would be done for i I'd be done. Yeah, for we can do a little recap. Yeah, let's do a little let's do a little little mini tavern talk here. It's bonus night, right? Bonus content Yeah. Night. So and the moon um, I would like to know as someone who didn't um didn't get to watch most of it, I would love to know what each of you felt were the um like kind of the the advantages of like the alternate style of play like this was a delve what was fun about getting to do a delve versus the normal kind of narrative focused stuff that we do
4: there was a there was a certain aspect of it that was fun because the primary focus was the kind of the crunchy element of we have well a we have an objective and the objective is simply get to the bottom level and b we're mostly focusing on can we win this encounter is it efficient to win this encounter and if not how do we run Um, and so that was a big, that was fun because that was the main focus, but then all of the character centric moments felt like bonuses that were just like unexpected and fun and like, oh wow, that was that like, well, that was unexpected and cool. Um, so whenever our characters had like sweet moments or like whenever something kind of came back full circle with like something we mentioned about our character beforehand and then it eventually came back, um, it was almost like the focus wasn't on role playing but because of that the great role playing moments be, but be, the blah 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 the focus wasn't on the role playing but that made when the great role playing moments happen they were like more special but I think that's because we were in a great group that like wanted to role play even though that didn't have to be the focus.
5: Yeah, I'll say uh it was really interesting the way we did um stats. Uh yes. I ended up with the the worst Worst bard in the world who had, uh, I think it was like a, a six uh, charisma score. Yeah, he had, a, he, he had a minus two to all of his ability checks, so that ruined a lot of my spell casting. Um, but it was still a lot, a lot of fun. I wouldn't stop you either. I didn't. You, you, I still yeah, try. You were rolling so well the last day that
4: it didn't matter.
5: Yeah, but. It's really interesting because I'm used to playing where like you're exploring a dungeon, you're just trying to like get through like the whole dungeon. You explore every nook and cranny, you fight everything. But this it was just like we're getting to the bottom as quickly as we can. Like screw, screw the rest of this dungeon. And that was like really interesting gameplay wise of just navigating this dungeon, which we had a crude map for, and trying to avoid as much as we could.
0: I remember getting a. Uh, I sent Wash a message on discord and I was just like hey how are things going you know I was just like on the Wi-Fi at my hotel or whatever and Wash was like well they sprinted through five floors of my dungeon like I don't know what's gonna happen when they fight the next thing because they sprinted through five floors of the dungeon yeah we, they
4: didn't level up at all
0: we leveled up once. That's apparently like a trademark thing for us, because you guys skipped a whole dungeon when you leapt off that yeah. that cave <laughs> edge as well. Mm-hmm. We're Some
4: just more. all about efficiency here at <laughs> yeah. Adventure Tavern. So, <laughs> no, yeah, it was just really fun, and also it was really fun to play with Chris, who I you know I had played with before, but it was a surprise, and I'm, I I hope he's still watching. It was a surprising delight to to play with Belly. He was like so fun. He played his spider character so well that's awesome um he was very committed to the bit of his character and it was oh just, yeah it was great love
0: that
1: yeah josh you definitely need to go back and watch them if anything for the Spider lore
4: that
0: I, you yeah. Out with. yeah uh, he he did a good job Boy. having like yeah yeah i fully intend to to watch all of them and i'm excited to to see how it went i just wasn't able to do it before tonight but i definitely sure, plan sure. to go back and and catch up on all that stuff for sure wash what was like a proud dm moment for you in the game if you had one that was like oh i'm am just, just so impressed or pleased or that was so unexpected or whatever just like what was a like happy dm moment
1: i was really i was really proud of them the the ending that they did like like when when they kind of started to put two and two together and recognize where they were and what was going on and then they really like leaned into it really hard um also one of the things that i've noticed about doing this uh this dungeon delve um, is that even though it is like a very mechanics heavy dungeon crawl story still finds a way to emerge and i like i know that uh, Jake and Trevor and and uh, Belly are are really good with roleplay i know Chris really likes roleplay but he also like he he lives for mechanics but even though you guys really do like roleplay and you and you pulled out some really cool rp moments uh, I think there's something to the the secluded nature of of a delve that just draws that out. I've played this with with other players that are not very roleplay heavy, and it still happened. It, it's just a matter of like it forces you to like discover your character on the way, mm. and uh, and it's like it's like a blank slate, and you don't know what's around the corner in the dungeon, and you don't know what's around the corner for your character either, and it's a uh, It's always it's always fun to, to to run the same thing again and see how other people draw a story out of it. Yeah, that's I really I really enjoyed um, what you guys brought to the
4: delve. Love that. I think there's a Gary Gygax kind of quote that goes along those similar lines of like, you just give the players like a playground, that's you know, and then that Mm. that's where it, it all comes from. That's where it all emerges from.
0: Watch what was it like DMing for Jake and Trevor?
4: (laughs) It was
1: so easy. Oh, you guys! You guys make storytelling so easy, so 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 easy. We try.
5: I mean, I mean, I guess from uh, we ran a dungeon perspective, it was probably pretty bad. (laughs) I mean, that was the
1: goal, and we had a limited amount of time. Like I knew there was going to be pushing through. Like that didn't that didn't upset me at all. Yeah, it was interesting. I will say to see you guys play with a map. Like a battle grid. Because um, mm. th- we're just not used to playing that way over here. And, and it definitely does like affect you. Where you're like, oh, what's in that corner over there? Or, you know, like, oh, yeah. what's this over here? Sure. Um, it, it definitely is a different style of play. I used to... Uses.
4: In high school, I would play with a bat, like a battle mat, like it was. Uh, mm. You know, I have it. I have it stored in my closet up here still. Yep. Because uh, I haven't used it in forever. But like we did a physical map with. Uh, we had those um, Pathfinder pawns. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Um, uh, so not like fully painted minis, but that sort of stuff. And uh, that was that was really fun. And that kind of doing another thing like that kind of took me back to that a little bit. I also did a, ro- a couple Roll Twenty campaigns. Um, a couple of years ago, like during COVID especially. Um, so, but it felt good to kind of be back in that. I'm, I'm in a way, in a lot of ways, I'm glad that we're doing theater of the mind for the most part for, for this campaign, because I, th- I enjoy both in different ways. Mm. Um, But yeah, it was, it was fun to do a, to do an outdoor rodeo thing.
1: If I had it my way, I would, I would convert my dining room table into a D and D table and just have <laughs> Heck yeah. shelves of minis all along the walls um, but alas, I am married
0: and <laughs> build the D and D cave.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the dream. I got to kick some of these kids out and take room and turn it into a, into a, there D&D you go. Cave. Yeah. My wife's like, I'm going to make a sewing room.
4: And I'm like,
0: Oh, <laughs>
4: you're like, I'm sewing as well. Sewing a story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Sowing seeds of lore.
0: Got them. What was something about going through the delve? This is for Jake and Trevor. This is, this is a question for Jake and Trevor. Okay. Uh, like, like we're at a con panel. Yes, you um, in the back what, for Jake and Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what was something about going through the delve that you're going to take, if there is anything, that you're going to take back to when you're playing your other character? Like, Is there anything that you came across or a challenge that you experienced? You're like, wow, I'm going to do this differently all the time because this way was really cool.
4: Um I found and this is just yeah I guess this answers that question. Uh especially the last session I found that when I was reminding myself of the emotional backstory of my character I found myself connecting with my character overall better. Um there was a whole aspect of like he had this like ornate dwarven, dwarven brooch that was given to him by his long lost love that he met on a in a harbor town but alas he had to sail away. Uh mm-hmm. and uh Like, Wash asked a good question about, like, what's something that's valuable to your character or something like that at the beginning of the session. And so, like, saying that out loud and, like, reminding myself of it, and then it, like, came full circle by the end of the session. Like, that was, like, a good reminder. It, like, helped me stay in the mindset of the character more.
5: Yeah. uh, In the same vein, I think just sort of remembering about the the character's motivations and like why they're doing what they're doing i think is and what they care about in any like big decision point and even in small decision points but that helps a lot with connecting to the characters and and reminding yourself of what they would do versus what you're doing because you know obviously sometimes we bleed into our characters or like what we know bleeds in and i
0: think being connected to that like motivation for your character, like that's huge for the role playing part of it. Like otherwise, you're just playing, right? yeah, which is fine for some circumstances. But like, if you want to really be role playing, then you have to like, you almost have to sort of blank out the the you part and yeah. like make yourself want those things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so. like acting. It, it is acting. Whoa! I think. Crazy. I would go that far. <laughs> acting. Acting. You are all actors. Actors.
1: I tell you one thing that I am super excited for is to not have to run two D and D campaigns. Again. <laughs> I am very much <laughs> le- have learned that I am content with running one big campaign and playing in another. That that yeah. is like one and a half games of each, and uh, and I am two two is too much. Two is way too much for me. <laughs> that's, where, well, that's I no am limit.
0: very pleased that you are sticking with us as a player. <laughs>
1: so. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. You kidding me? Um, got one of the yes, rounds in seven
0: parts. No, I'm Come on. You are a welcome addition to our table.
4: Gotta, gotta save my daughter's soul. But also who doesn't, really, in life? Yeah.
0: Who I doesn't mean, have to save their daughter's soul? Yeah. People yeah, who without... doesn't go through that at some point? Yeah. <laughs> you know. This is we've a common been parenting.
5: <laughs> been there. How to save your daughter's soul in seven easy steps. In seven easy parts.
0: <laughs> What's well, something cool about your character's internal growth that you're hoping to get a chance to explore this season?
1: Oh. I've been thinking about this and, and thinking about it less in um like what facet I want to explore and more of like what facet I want to conclude. Mm. Um I think I think that in character development it's hard to keep a lot of the parts of your character like in line and, and in your head. And so you almost need to like Resolve some stuff and then you can like bring in some new stuff, you know Like like we're we're kind of bringing in some new stuff of like what are our characters like as bosses in a company? That's that's a new like like how they work with underlings and uh And you know keep this ship afloat that's, that's going to be a new thing to uh, to kind of explore for our characters But I kind of want to to wrap up some old parts of Jeb And, uh, to, to kind of make room for that, you know, kind of, kind of move on from one phase of life into the next. Um, I'd really like for, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like he's going, I'm going to try and explore and, and wrap up his, uh, his more, maybe not completely, but like his more immature roots, his more shoot from the hip. Type thing. I think he's. I think he's feeling like, especially with this weight of of people that have died and can't move on. Like he's got this this responsibility on him now, and literally having a business that its goal and end is the you know like the hope of the world essentially at this point. Um, but I, I feel like he's he's needing to put on some of his, you know the big business pants, like the, the, the big boy pants. We need to, to kind of mature up a little bit. And there's probably going to be like a little bit of fighting against that, that Jeb impulsiveness. And then it's going to kind of conflict a little bit, but I feel like he's, it's time for him to like, to grow up and mature a little bit.
4: I think for Owlin, there's a lot to do with his, past that like has been mentioned and has been used for some minor character development but similar i think i i get the feeling that some of what's going to happen in this this next arc is going to be similar for jeb for what happened with or similar to alan for what jeb got to do this arc i'm so excited for
1: alan's arc oh man (laughs) which which
4: was a lot of like reconciling with his past and like you know um seeing these people in real life and like the party kind of catching up on all of that sort of stuff so i'm excited for that i'm excited to like delve deeper into the character and i almost like get to know the character better even though i've been playing this character this whole time Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what i'm excited about
5: i don't know it's uh so zoth's big thing is um reconnecting with with kelnor obviously um but on a more micro level Probably trying to connect more with with the party, you know, talking with Jeb and Alan, who hasn't established a close like like we haven't had those those one to ones, heart to hearts, really. I don't think with each other yet. Mm. So maybe finding finding sort of when the time is right. Obviously not forcing it, but like when those moments come up, sort of taking that opportunity to do so. But yeah, I think I think. He he's he's still like just just vibing really. What about I'm you, man?
1: What do you think? Uh, what is in the <laughs> store for Fox in the future? Oh man, why'd you have to call me out on it like that? <laughs> just, this is not fair. What are you doing me like that for? Well, you know, was wow, like, that, was so yeah,
0: that was so believable. That was a really
5: good bad impression, actually. <laughs> what were you going to say, Josh?
0: It's lucky like he's here in the room. Whoa! I was just going to say I'm, I'm excited to try a couple of things that I've been learning about. So while I was um, overseas in England, there's a really cool bookstore that I got to go to in Cambridge, and they had a whole section on, like, literally it's Called collaborative storytelling, like the part of RPGs that I, when I describe D and D to people, I say it's collaborative storytelling. They had a whole section of books about that, so I got one of those just to see what like other people are saying. And there were some really cool like prompts and exercises and ways to approach things. And I'm excited to try and implement some of those, and also to sort of challenge you guys with some of them. Um, I I won't keep you in suspense. Here's the one I'm most excited about. Um, think about scenes as a collective. Where and a good example of this is really easy in D and D because everyone's a different class. So like let's say Owlin walks into a room and notices a detail, but um, Zoth is also in the room and Owlin thinks it's divine magic and not arcane or artifice or magic. Instead of saying, "I'd like to roll, you know, Arcana or whatever and, and try and solve it yourself." you could point out the detail you found and say, Hey Zoth, take a look at this. Does this look religious to you? And now what you've done is you've set up Zoth to have a hero moment of his Mm -hmm. own. And um, so that's one that I, I'm kind of hoping to, to push you guys into doing just to help make it more of a cohesive um, experience from a party standpoint. Like now you guys have been traveling together. The party has a dynamic. We're skipping ahead five, six, seven months. Um, But then for me, I'm hoping to turn my settings into characters more that's something that I've sort of always had this idea about in my head, but never really had words to put to it. And I was like, there was a whole chapter on it in this book. So they, the prompt they put me through was um, create a room that has enough space for eight people to sit comfortably. Tell me what kind of lighting's in the room and give me one feature of the room that people might interact with. And then they said, now modify those things to reflect different scenes. So like they had, you know, do one for a chase scene, do a version for a fight scene, do a version for a rest scene. And so you have the same room. So like the one I made is a break room, right? It's like a company break room with a table in it and there are some really old beat up couches along the walls. It's lit by um, fluorescent lights in the ceiling, you know, just like generic work lights in the ceiling. Then they said, okay, change it for these different things. So for Um, a chase scene, if you bust into the break room, the way that I might narrate that room is I might say the harsh green fluorescence of the room are, are blinding to you and you can't take in the details immediately. So as you look through the room, the beat up couches seem like, um, you know, that they're, they're just in your way. There's something you can hurdle versus if you're trying to narrate a peaceful resting scene you might talk about the smell of donuts and the way that the lights are, you know, a, a bright inviting light or if it's a fight scene it might be that the fluorescent lights maybe one of the bulbs is out and so now the fluorescent lights are flickering and they so you're using them as a character to help <clears> illustrate <throat> what the scene is and I'm really excited to try and work that into um the you know just the way that I narrate and the way I do exposition I've been listening back to our older streams and finding just pieces of my technique that I like and don't like. And one thing I don't like is I often narrate the same room three or four different ways, but they're all the same way. I'm just saying it again Mm. when what I'm trying to get across is like using the scene as a character, but instead I'm just changing the tone of my voice or the inflection of my voice and saying the same things. I'm like, Oh, I hate that. That's so boring to listen to. And so this will hopefully be an opportunity for me to do it better. Um, yeah, so that's something I'm excited cool. to try. Is is kind of working on that and just kind of pushing us. There are also some great improv exercises to help, um, which I was thinking maybe we could do as little warm ups before yeah. we start. Just oh, like yeah. that would be great. I would sure. be totally exercises. down
1: for doing a warm up before we, like, while the um, clock is counting down.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like during that ten minute countdown, um, that could be fun to do. So. Anyway, yeah. those are things that I'm excited about. I'm looking Ooh. forward to season two. I got to plan it from on top of the tallest and oldest castle in England, and that was pretty dope. Um, and it that is yeah, sweet. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. I have some cool ideas for things to to trials to put you through. I mean, stories to explore. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> have some that?
4: great ideas for ways to make you suffer. I mean, experience the the, the yes. wonders of Urida. <laughs>
0: ways to make you suffer i mean gain experience (laughs) uh uh. Uh, nice and to see those i think you'll have to come back next week Mm. because i think tonight's little mini session bonus content i think it might be coming to a close here whoa i think so Thanks for joining us for this special in-between episode of the Winged Badger Tavern. Next week, on Friday, we'll be kicking off Season 2 of the Adventures in the Magicless World of Uradah, following the company, Four Guys, Adventures, and Vibes, now officially incorporated. Until then, from all of us here at the Tavern, stay classy.